Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. to another edition of Covered in Glory. Brett, this week, two soccer phrases were added to the Oxford English Dictionary. First was Sir Alec Ferguson's squeaky bum time, and second was Mourinho's park the bus. So my first question to you this week is how famous does this show have to get before a good team does a good thing is immortalized forever? I don't know, man. I think we just got to go 100% on all our World Cup picks and make a bunch of people a bunch of money so they honor us with that one. Well, spoiler alert, you will hear that at least one time today coming out of my mouth. I don't know about yours. Are there other uh, soccer phrases like throughout time that you think should be added to the dictionary? God, 91st minute. It's the only one. <clears throat> Feeling of pure joy, Landon Donovan. That's that's the one that I want. That would be the one I'd petition for. 91st Man, minute, the definition should just be a feeling of elation. <laughs> you've trumped me already. I might as well not even give mine. The couple I had written down, I've always loved the phrase tap-in merchant. It's a good one. I like to apply to everyday life. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I would also like to see the phrase, oh, shite, attributed to Harry Maguire as someone blows by him. I think we should get that <laughs> in the dictionary. But my real answer is my favorite phrase in all of football, covered in glory, of course. My favorite thing to hear an announcer say. I heard somebody shout it out on Saturday and it made me so happy. Yeah, what would that definition be? Two idiots that can't pronounce names talking about soccer. Let's <laughs> uh, see. So he's, he's. I hope that's at least number two. Number one better be something a little bit better than that. But both <laughs> are applicable. Uh, all right, Brett. Anything else you want to cover before we dive into this week's matchups? Uh, I just want to, you know, make sure that like your heart rate and everything is like back down and normal after a little Connor Gallagher action this past weekend. And then Chelsea wins midweek. Like, where are you at emotionally right now? I feel like you must be like in the stratosphere. Uh, well, we are an audio primary medium, but I know we have video now up on uh, ESPN and anybody who's tuning in there can see me smiling ear to ear. So <laughs> I'll, I'll get to the verbal affirmation when we get to the Chelsea section. But yeah, Brett, feeling pretty, pretty good right now. Is Graham Potter going to make an appearance at some point on the show? We got to get him on. He's now your new favorite manager. Oh, uh, as my kids have started calling him the magic man. Gotta love the kid's nickname. <laughs> Just magic, man. Just stole that one. Straight from John C. Riley out of Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah, throw that in the dictionary as well. Uh, but let's start this week with a team that is pro- their fans that are probably not feeling anywhere near good about their team, and that's Liverpool. The primary matchup this week, and it's a great one, Arsenal first at 21 points versus Liverpool ninth at 10 points, Sunday at 11.30 a.m., at Caesars, Arsenal is plus 155. Liverpool is plus 160. The draw is plus 265. Pool plus uh, half a goal is minus 180, which is a great, great number to see for Pool to get any sort of result here. Arsenal, of course, stays at that uh, plus 155. So, Brett, what a match. It's a bit of a testament to how long it takes to truly change your mind about a team that Liverpool is basically a coin flip with an ascendant Arsenal squad despite vastly underachieving thus far this year. We basically hand-waved some of their early season struggles due to Thiago being out, 
But he was in the back in the middle with uh, Fabinho last weekend, and they still gave up three goals to Brighton. So I think it's time we have to have a real discussion about Liverpool, specifically how they continue to leak goals. And I'm just going to say it to lead off. Trent Alexander-Arnold is Russell Westbrook. Changed my mind. He's capable of taking your breath away on both sides of the pitch, but in very different ways. His delivery on set pieces and whipping and crosses is truly incredible. It leads to amazing moments of unexpected goal generation. But at the same time, his lack of effort on the defensive side and his seeming indifference to that part of the game repeatedly, repeatedly costs his team. We've seen him have trouble tracking the flight of crosses, but this week it was even worse. Four minutes into the game, Trissard completely roasts him, put TAA on his butt with a great view of Trissard scoring the goal from about three yards away before the rest of the fans have even sat in their seat. And then later on, his lackadais- uh, lackadaisical chesting down allowed for a transitional break. He jogs back lazily after that, after his mistake, when most players would be sprinting back with their hair on fire, trying to cover for putting their team in danger. But nope, he just lollygags back. Three touches later, it's in the back of the net. Just like Westbrook, it's enormously frustrating given the caliber of athlete he is and what he's clearly capable of. And Poole, frankly, have to have better from him as Van Dyke starts to slow down and shows some elements of decline. Another thing enough people aren't talking about, and he can't always clean up his mess anymore. So do you think I am overreacting and coming in way too hot, or am I underreacting so far this year to Liverpool's struggles? You are scorching hot, my friend. Um, I, I, I'll put it this way. I think this is a perfect example of a study in context, right? So when Liverpool were at their peak, you had Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho that kind of jammed up the midfield, right? Like none of those three guys is particularly like sexy in what they do. You know, they're not playing these line breaking passes. They're not dribbling through a midfield. They're mostly shuttlers. They run, they cover ground. Like that's what they were good at. Fabinho's very good positionally. Um, I think the one thing that we're seeing now is this slow kind of like degrading of the Liverpool talent pool. And they are one of the older teams in the league is that every single crack that forms somewhere else is going to make Trent look worse because he, he hasn't changed. He is still the same guy. All this stuff that we're seeing now is not news. The can he defend narrative around Trent Alexander Arnold has been there since Liverpool installed him at right back. But the reason it looks so glaring now is every piece around him is kind of fading And that, I think, is putting him and his warts basically out for more people to see. And it's easier for us to spot and pick on. That was the beauty of what Klopp came in and did, right? Like, he, like, that was the the incredible part. Like, when you talk, we talked about, we have talked about Pep, you know, ad nauseum is kind of like a pragmatist who just figures out how to make things work. And in a way, like, that's what Klopp did. He took a, um, like a midfield, the area where you're supposed to have like your creative players and your guys have created chances. And he basically said, our midfield is going to be a conduit for our fullbacks to be great. And they're going to cover up their weaknesses and they're going to shore up their strengths. And like, that's what this team is going to be. And right now they're trotting out James Milner. Diago isn't, you know, there every match. Uh, Hendo is on his way out. Like Fabinho hasn't been great. I actually do agree with you on one thing. I don't think Van Dyke has been Van Dyke, um, which probably isn't shocking given he's had major knee injuries and he's getting over 30. Like 
the Stonewall thing was going to probably go at some point. Um, it probably hasn't helped that he said to play next to like Joe Gomez for a couple of matches who I feel bad for because the dude's had a lot of injuries. Like I want to bash that too much. He's it's definitely cost him. Um, but that's what we're seeing is we're just seeing this gradual erosion. And then it's just basically putting Trent in the spotlight. And he's been in these situations more than he ever has been. And it's kind of taking away from like who he is and what he does. I don't think he's a different player. I still think you can win with him. I still think you can be great with him. I just think Liverpool is at a point where the roster around him is now no longer able to cover up his biggest weaknesses. But why do we accept that? Like, why do we accept him jogging back and not being able to defend and not at least giving full effort? Like if he has liabilities that are inborn to him, like that are just something he can't do. He can't track the fight of the ball as well as other people, or he can't, you know, put in a crunching tackle as well as uh, some of his contemporaries. Then I get that. But like, it seems to be at least against Brighton, it seemed to be uh, effort was clearly lacking. And so why do we say, Hey, now there's, there's a brighter light on him, but he is what he is. Like he's still young. He's an incredible athlete. He's one of the most transcendent players on the offensive side of the pitch. Why do we say he doesn't have to try on defense? Yeah, I mean, some of it I think is not necessarily effort. I I don't I think the idea that he is like some incredible athlete is maybe be pushed out there. He's an incredibly creative player playing in an unorthodox spot, but he is not actually like that. Like I've worked with athletes before, and so when I watched Trent Ooh, Alexander, and Alexander Alexander Arnold move around, I didn't say what level. <laughs> Just saying, I worked with athletes before. So when I yeah, watched, I, I coached my daughter's soccer team too. I get it. Yeah. So you understand completely yeah. at the same level. Um, but like when I watch him move, like I've never been like, wow, like this guy's got amazing change of direction. Like he's super fluid. He's actually kind of, you know, awkward and lanky and like, he doesn't shift very well. Like he doesn't change direction all that great. Like some of that stuff is maybe is perceived as like, Oh, he's not trying that hard. It's probably because the guy doesn't like move that fluidly. Um, and so I think some of it is that I do think some of it is probably Trent's like, you know, the dude that's like, Hey man, like I'm sure. And this is the Westbrook thing in, in, a, in a way this, I'll give you this one. This is the Westbrook thing. When Westbrook had the thunder by himself, he, his usage rate was like a gajillion. It was like in the forties probably. And so the dude was like, well, why am I going to kill myself in the defensive end when every possession I have to be the guy that creates a shot. And with the way that Liverpool are structured now, Robertson is, is not been very good for probably the last like four or five months. The midfield isn't giving him much of anything, especially when Thiago's out. They, they have kind of this front three that's transitioning, especially with the Mane departure and Nunez coming in and not being great. So he is actually shouldering a lot of the burden. And I think in some ways you look at his free kick against Rangers midweek and then you're like, yeah, if you can do that, I guess you probably don't need to go 100% all the time when we're out of possession. Yeah, but look, if, if Van Dyke ain't going to be Durant, the Thunder were a six seed instead of in the final. Yeah. So do we have to stop looking at Liverpool as this uh, contemporary to City and some way we expect to be in this, at least the semis in Europe and re expect you know, reset our expectation for them? Because mm-hmm. if all these excuses that you are giving are accurate, they're no longer as elite and we should start viewing them that way. Whereas in my head, I was like, as soon as Thiago comes back, it's, you know, race on again like these guys can beat not just anybody on any day but beat most teams on most days yeah and I I think I think that's right I think at this point they have to 
to find something, whether it's transfer window, whether it's waiting for Jude Bellingham next summer, um, they have to do something to get back to another level because that is why this is a coin flip against Arsenal right now. It's like there is clearly something wrong with this team and, and they are not at the same level that they were in the times that we've seen them win the premier league at the times that we've been win the champions league, something needs to change. And to a smaller degree, they went with a four, two, three, one or four, four, two, or whatever you want to call it, where they basically cut out a Milner Elliott, like kind of third midfielder went with Thiago and Hendo as like a double pivot. And then just basically played for their attackers and kind of like, got back to more of the heavy metal, let the front th- uh, front four press the hell out of the opponents. Um, that is like what Klopp was at his core at Dartman. And maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe if there's more pressure, maybe if they, they instead of trying to grind it out and control games like they were able to do the last two years, maybe we're going to see that. Maybe we're going to see more aggressive pressing. Maybe he's going to rotate those attackers a little bit more, keep them fresh. And just have them really try to pin the opposition back so there's less of Trent Alexander-Arnold defending in a low block. So something is going to change. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they need to go to the transfer window. I don't know if they need to do something with their personnel that's in-house. But I agree with you. Like, if something doesn't change, we cannot talk about Liverpool like they've been to Liverpool the last few years. Yeah, I mean, we joked about a good team doing a good thing at the top of the show, but how many times did those words come out of my mouth and how many times did those words come out of your mouth when talking about Liverpool just you know six months ago, nine months ago? Right. Now they're giving up three to Brighton at home on somebody else's managerial debut. I mean, I... I, I know that we love Thiago so much and we like kept making excuses for them. But I got to say, after watching that Brighton game, I have finally, I think, adjusted my mindset. And of course, it could be wiped out and I can be reprogrammed to be right back where I was uh, a week ago. But in this match, I, I can't take them. Right. I mean, like in this in this coin flip, in this element, I think they w- before this year, I absolutely would have backed them even at the Emirates to beat them. Uh, but I, I can't do it here. So it's hard for like, and on the other side, it's hard to take too much from Arsenal's win over Spurs, given Anthony Taylor making yet another match about him on Saturday. <laughs> the uh, the first 60 or so minutes were highly enjoyable, but then Taylor made me mad. I even woke up and I was so mad after he ruined it. That first 60 minutes were awesome. An extremely questionable straight red that ruined one of the best matchups of the year. Uh, but in that first 60 minutes, it was absolutely clear that Arsenal belong on the field currently with any team in the world besides maybe city. So I don't know who, I don't know who does belong on the field of city at this point. Nobody. That's the point. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when facing what previously looked like a tough call, but after that Brighton game and after them being really impressive in that first uh, 60 minutes, I'm going to back Arsenal's hot streak. And I think that as, uh, as the better team right now, even though Liverpool probably historically have more talent, I'm going to take Arsenal at plus one fifty five. Yeah, I, this one was tough. Um, I, I literally, my response, if you're going to ask me what I think of this game was, I don't know. Um, and I, I still don't, I, I still don't. I mean, and the other thing I think to kind of rewind a little bit is since the Igo has been back for the last two matches, they've smashed Ajax. They had the game against Brighton, which was at Anfield disappointing result. And then they went and they took care of business at Rangers. Now, granted, Rangers are terrible. Um, that the the they're second in the Scottish League, kind of fluked their way to their Europa final last year. They're not very good, but you know, Ajax is still one of the better teams in the world. I think that we might need to readjust that. Then the thing with Brighton, 
is we actually don't know if Brighton are good or not yet. I we I have been very like low end, especially with Potter leaving on on how they're going to end up. We could both be wrong. They could both they could that could actually be a really good team. We could look back at that result maybe a few months down the road and say, oh, that really wasn't that bad because Brighton ended up finishing yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, yeah. But with this match in particular, I really, really found it hard to do anything other than a draw. I. I I think this is like an anti-Arsenal thing where I just like, you're talking about, see, you're better than me. You have a flexibility of thought. I look at Arsenal, I'm like, they're a fake good team. And I don't think I can get that out of my head. Um, so when I look at Arsenal, I don't trust them enough yet to, to clearly say that I can put money on the fact that they're going to beat Liverpool, especially cover a spread. That draw at plus 265 to me, what is now two teams on about the same level, that to me is the best value. And Ugh, gross. I, <laughs> well, it's, it's also the coward's way out picking the yes, draw, right? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm copying to it. Um, so, and I could very well be wrong. And, and again, you know, Arsenal just beat a pretty good Spurs team. Um, obviously, the help from Red Card, but they were up and they were playing well before that, anyways. Um, and, but I, I do think something's coming here from Spurs. There's still a ton of attacking talent. Nunez is going to figure it out. Yoda's still good. Firmino's on a hot streak. Salah's going to come around as per usual. Trent, for all his warts, is still one of the most creative players in the entire world, especially at fullback behind only your boy Cancelo and, well, maybe Reese James. Uh, they're both there ain't your no boys. maybe there. They're, they're both, no maybe they're both there. your boys. All right, ain't no maybe. But both your boys, he's behind them. I mean, I still think there's enough here to work with to say that they're at the very least they can go toe to toe with a hot Arsenal team. So I'm going to take the coward's way out, take the draw. <laughs> okay. Well, I like the prop market a whole lot better in this game, not surprisingly. Um, yeah. While I didn't make it my official pick, I really like both teams to score no draw at uh, plus 129, which is a really fun bet, right? So at that point, if both teams get on the board, you're just hoping that your bet is wrong and my bet is right. Uh, and so it doesn't matter whether Arsenal win 2-1 or Liverpool win 2-1, both sides cash at a plus number. It's really fun to bet in big games with excellent attackers and shaky defenses, but I think accurately describes what we're about to watch. Yeah. Uh, similarly, I like over three and a half goals at plus 155 because, come on, this is Sunday morning pre-NFL. I just want to be entertained. I want to feel a rush. And I think they're going to deliver for us. Uh, but officially, I am going with Arsenal to score in the first half at minus 110. They've scored in the first half of six of eight premier games this year and have started each game that I've watched with real intensity. Given I can't say the same about pool, I've seen them switch off early in games. I can absolutely see Arsenal getting on the board early in this and making Salah and co chase the game for the second half. I actually really like that bet. That is a really good bet, especially with, like you said, how Liverpool it's it. These two are definitely diverging in terms of how they open matches. That's a really interesting bet. Um, I would you, love to you. steal it. I would love to steal it from you and say I thought about that same thing too, but I don't lie that quickly. Um, you already know, you dude. You already know I'm going to go with this. All right, I have been on almost weekly saying Darwin Nunez's <sighs> underlying numbers are so good. Eventually, he's going to start scoring goals. He is sitting at plus one seventy in a game where Liverpool will score. But here's the thing: I want to make you not shake your head so much here. I also like Yota at plus 180. My caveat is if they both start, I'll take Nunez. 
Nunez has not been starting Premier League matches. I have a feeling that might be the case this weekend. So I will actually lean towards Yota at plus 180. Anytime goal scorer, same thing. I think we're getting a pricing break on him because he has struggled to finish some good chances. I know that Liverpool is going to get a goal this match. It's easy to go with Salah because it's any time with the penalty taker. That's like a no-brainer, but I'll go with the Yota at plus 180. Tell me the last time you saw Nunez that makes you feel good about this bet. Like, forget your spreadsheets. You're watching the game. When was Literally the last never. time you felt good about this? I honestly, if anybody ever asked me if, if he like blows up and I start getting on the bandwagon and be like, yeah, I saw Nunez coming. I'm going to have to delete my text <laughs> messages like the Secret Service. Because even last year with Benfica, I was like... I don't think this dude's that good. <laughs> and then Liberty you come on every week and you talk about Nunez. And it's the spreadsheets, Toby. Every the single week. Are telling me what to do. Oh my God. <laughs> Go outside. Watch a game. <laughs> Just let him score one time before you keep hey, wasting your I money watch on this. Liverpool play Rangers. I suck that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know who Rangers' best player is? Newcastle legend James Tavernier. Yeah. And I watched oh. that match on Wednesday. <laughs> wow. You're still taking them. Okay. All right. Well, it just benefits me. As long as it's in your five pine, I'm happy. He took six shots. He took six shots. Eventually, they got to go in. Well, I can <laughs> take six shots Christian to kick Benteke. a ball to goal. I can if take six a- shots of tequila and kick a ball to goal and feel just about <laughs> as good about my chances as his six at this point. <laughs> oh man, that I actually I think that is what should be our next video cutout segment is you taking six shots of tequila <laughs> and trying to score a penalty. <laughs> that is our next video breakout. <laughs> as long For as you'll sure. keep, as long as you'll keep, I'm in. I'm in. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I will fly to Austin tonight. So that's tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get drunk and silly out on a soccer pitch, let's got a couple more games to cover here. Uh, next up, yeah, oh Chelsea boy. Here fifth at thirteen here points it comes. versus Wolves eighteenth at six points Bro, Saturday at ten a.m. Chelsea minus two forty five, Wolves plus seven fifty, the draw plus three fifty. Wolves, I'm sorry, Chelsea minus a goal and a half is plus one ten. I'm not even giving the Wolves side of that bet because you ain't taking it. Uh, all right, Brett. The Wolves have no manager here, having fired their guy last week and struggling to find anyone whatsoever to take his place, proving you cannot even pay people to watch Wolves. What are you <laughs> expecting to see them after the switch? Well, I think we got to go back a little bit because, but they, they made this switch last year. They, Nuno had kind of worn out just basically his style had become a little bit dull. Um, you could kind of see that maybe there's some things shutting off there. So they switched from Nuno Espirito Santo to Bruno Lodge. Lodge was supposed to bring this like attacking verb. He was supposed to move him away from this back three that was Nuno's staple. Um, and then Nuno's last year, the numbers in front of me here, you can my spreadsheet and glasses on. And Nuno's last year, um, they were 15th in expected goals. They were seventh in expected goals against. And, and they finished in 13th place. Now, Lodge moved them all the way up to 10th, but they were 19th in expected goals, 16th in expected goals against. And as we talked about at length in one of our old pods from last year, that was mainly down to shot-stopping sorcery by their goalkeeper, Jose Sa. That's all it was. He saved about 10 goals worth of shots, uh, which is incredible and probably one of the better shot-stopping performances that maybe we've ever seen. Um, and so Lodge like didn't do what he was supposed to do. Now, here's the thing about this firing that I think might be partially unfair. I, I'm going to ask you this. 
Do you think Wolves have a single player that you would want to see on your team? <laughs> well, besides, no. besides Diego no. Costa, uh, well, <laughs> so, yeah, well, okay. I want to see him on my team as long as it's an old timers game on a Monday afternoon. Yeah, I was going to say, that. if it's a Chelsea alumni game, maybe you could roll out Costa's corpse and then they would be good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that's the thing is like Costa's going to have to play for him. Jimenez is out. Uh, I think Neto just got hurt again. Um, and I think Lodge, even before he got fired, said it might be a bad knee injury. Um, you know, and then after that, it's like Daniel Potence. Uh, it's uh, Adama Traore, who has been like kind of the Rubik's Cube of soccer players that no manager ever seems to solve. Um, so, I mean, this is just not a good team. And so they fired a manager. The recruitment has been really poor. Their big um, signing this year was uh, Matthias Nunez from Sporting, who's like a kind of okay midfielder. Uh, Mendez also like really swung for the fences this year, and he was trying to move... Ruben Neves out for like a hundred million pounds, which Neves is like not good or above average at anything. So that would have been a hell of a transfer. Um, so this is just like a really like poorly constructed team. Their defense is uh, the defenders are all like unnotable players that haven't really done much in the premier league. So this is just a bad club. And I don't think any manager is going to be like, come in and like immediately turn this around. I think we're seeing the results of poor recruitment and their attack is so bad. They, I have no no faith in Daniel Potence anymore um, that I think this is going to be the first time we finally get to say good team, good thing, especially after three straight really good performances by Chelsea under Potter. Chelsea clean sheet win. Wolves are bad. I, I just do not see how they can put the ball past even Keppa. Yeah, well... All right. Spoiler alert. You uh, you said you were going to steal my Arsenal pick. I did not steal you because I am taking the same thing for my prop bet. A good team to do a good thing. Uh, Chelsea shut out victory. But before we get to the end result, can we talk about last Saturday for just a moment? Just Absolutely. a moment, bro. This is, I, yeah. I, you need to come in to clear out. I want you to just get to get this all out. Just have all the happiness and joy infect the world. Well, here here's what I will tell you and the rest of the world. I don't usually watch pornography that early on a Saturday, but <laughs> Conor Gallagher's 90th minute winner was an exception and perhaps caused some similar feelings below the belt in the Murgler house. <laughs> of all players on the pitch, it seems most fitting that he would answer Chelsea's fans' prayers. What a freaking strike from my Lord and Savior, Conor Gallagher. There is yeah, nothing. Against the team they loaned him out to last year, too. It's cruel. There is nothing, nothing like a miraculous win at the death to change how you feel about your club, particularly when they follow it up by thrashing AC Milan 3-0 in the Champions League. It feels like we are in the middle of a classic new manager bounce here, and suddenly I am optimistic again. I am all blue skies and rainbows. I know it's far more likely uh, to be attributed to finishing variants, but screw you and your logic and your spreadsheets. I'm feeling great, and your oh, numbers will not drag actually, me down. You're actually going to be shocked, though, what I have to say about that goal. I actually do think that that was a pretty big moment in Chelsea's season. I normally don't get into this narrative-driven stuff. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, you know, they had a, a decent performance against Salzburg and ended in a draw. They didn't play great against Palace. The game probably was one that tended tends to be a draw more often than not without your savior's heroics. But that goal, and then the resulting domination of Milan midweek, although Milan was missing the left back and goalkeeper. Um, keep that in mind. 
I think this is a big moment for Chelsea. I really think that those types of things sometimes can actually give the type of momentum spur on other good performances. They really needed to get a win early in Potter's tenure. If they would have just struggled through a couple of draws, who knows how the Milan game shapes up. I, I think that was, that could actually be like, I know you're super excited. It's your boy. It was a cool moment, but I actually think this is a big deal for your club. Like I, I'm on board with this. I actually think that goal could have meant something that when we look back and we're talking about their odds and how much confidence we have in them later on this season, I think it might stem from right around this time period right here. I a hundred percent agree, which means you should fade the hell out of us right now. Cause we are <laughs> yes. way too much on the opium and you should take probably Chelsea take, to, <laughs> take Chelsea to finish in the bottom 10 in the future. Yeah, exactly. Oh, bottom 10. I was thinking relegation. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm taking them at the minus one and a half, uh, at, at plus 110, they're facing a team without a manager who has no offensive uh, force and struggles organizationally in the back and only to be bailed out by the goalkeeper. I cannot wait to see how they screw this up. Yeah. Well, the one other thing I actually want to throw out here, I, I was going to cheat and do two prop bets today. But the other one I really liked, um, obviously, when I see clean sheet win with Chelsea, it's just like I have to go. It's like I get tunnel vision. Um, but plus 550 for the exact 2 nil scoreline uh, in Chelsea's favor. If you think, if you are very certain of a clean sheet for Chelsea, if you think this is like 90% of their range is Wolves score zero goals, I don't really trust Chelsea's attack. I mean, they they, they put three past Milan, but again, Milan's backup keeper is terrible. Uh, they're also without their left back. The uh, XG in that game was about one and a half, so they definitely outperformed it. I think one or two goals is a, a pretty big range. This is a game that to me is a really narrow range and I like hate exact score lines, but this is one where I actually think there's some value here because I think you're really dealing with like a very small range of outcomes and two nil is a huge part of that. All right. Well, I'll sign up for that one. Although I'm going to be hoping for three nil, but we better take a quick break because I need to hose myself off. That was too much. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. Listen, whatever you're betting teasers over under do it through Caesars. Because they have all the names. Caesar himself, Cleo, the Mannings, Henrik Lundqvist, and now yours truly. Yes, Against All Odds is now a proud member of the Caesars empire. And your very first bet, it's on Caesars. Up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. So download the app, use promo code CZRFULL, and go full Caesars this season, oh, you must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Maryland, visit MarylandGamblingMDGamblingHelp.org or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. 
Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. Visit C-O-N-N-E-X-Ontario.ca or call 1-866-531-2600 or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Okay. Woo. I'm all flustered, but I'm I'm a professional. I'm going to calm it down. And we're going to talk about Manchester City, second at 20 points versus Southampton at 16th at seven points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Manchester City over at Caesars is minus 850. The draw is plus 800. Southampton is plus 2200. Manchester City minus two and a half is Uh. minus 110. Southampton is minus 120. All right, I lied. I lied, Brett. I lied. I cannot calm down. Southampton sucks. Manchester City are transcendent. (laughs) But this is where betting kicks in. As it is not the result that is in question, but we still have to find a way to make it interesting trying to figure out how ugly this, uh, this win can get. But I'm all riled up again. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the question. We're eight games in. I'm going to ask the question. Are we witnessing the greatest Premier League team of all time right now? I was definitely not close enough uh, to following the Premier League to properly rate like the late 90s Manchester United teams. I was really just getting into it when the Invincibles came along. But I honestly cannot believe what I'm watching. I'm not. I'm sure we'll have this conversation a half dozen more times trying to fill space in Manchester United games where they're favored by uh, three goals again. Uh, but eight games in, right now, do you believe we are watching history or are we just watching regular greatness? Oh, I mean, with the caveat that we've talked about off air, which is De Bruyne and Holland staying healthy. This team, we, we've used this before and we've joked and we call them Thanos. This really like feels inevitable. Like I, I'm looking at each team and they go up against Holland. They see him in the starting lineup and you're like, there's no way he's going to keep scoring goals. <laughs> he scores two more. Like that also was great. They played Copenhagen midweek. He scores two goals in the first half and then they just sub him off at halftime. Like, yeah, you, you did your job. We're already winning. Like here comes Cole Palmer. Um, <laughs> like I, it does. I, I, it's hard to imagine the last time I've like honestly felt genuine hopelessness for some of the teams that they play. Like even during their peak, even when we were jokingly calling them Thanos and saying they were inevitable, like last year, I, this really feels inevitable. Like as long as he's healthy, 
I don't know how you stop this team from scoring goals. I just don't know. I, I, I have to believe that we are witnessing what may end up to be definitely one of the top three Premier League teams of all time. Well, I think the argument in their favor is the league is better and richer than it's ever been before, yeah, and they are 100%. still absolutely overpowering the league. So it's far more stacked top to bottom than it was in the late 90s or when the Invincibles played, or you know, even when there's like that really excellent uh, 2009, 2010 Chelsea team, the 0405 Chelsea team. Like Those are all the ones that sometimes enter the conversation. But the way they are dominating, I actually think most of the best Premier League teams of all time all took the pitch in the last five years where oh. Oh, yeah. Sky blue and uh, dark red at Liverpool. I mean, we're going to get some angry Arsenal fans, but if you look at that Invincibles year, there was a lot of draws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of draws. And I mean, Manchester City ain't playing for draws right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you're going to talk about the best teams likely coming in the last five years, Haaland versus Aguero just makes Manchester City so much scarier. It's like it stepping is. into the ring versus um, Apollo and stepping in the ring versus Drago. Like Creed could beat you. Drago will kill you. Yeah. There's a big difference there. Haaland will kill you. Uh, so it seems crazy to ask the question eight games in when they're not even in first place. So it's obviously premature. But this uh, past week is the first time I started seriously having the question in my head and texting it to you. And I think it's going to be a frequent uh, subject of discussion, not just on this show, but across the soccer world for the rest of the year. Because what else is there to say about them? They are absolutely magnificent. So given their inevitability and given their magnificent, they have not found a place where they will put the line yet where I'm taking the other side particularly when I think Southampton is garbage. So I'm taking City, even minus two and a half goals and minus 110 at Caesars. That, that's what's crazy. Like, I, I was thinking about this. How many, I don't know, how many teams other than City have a minus number in front of a two and a half goal spread against a mid-table Premier League team? I don't, has no. there any other team? Yeah, I don't even think Liverpool, even when they were like peaking, Last year and the year before, I don't even remember those lines then. Yeah, I mean, I maybe mean, maybe some of the teams against like Norwich last year. Yeah, maybe that's what I mean. This is, Norwich, a mid, like, this is what South, Southampton is more of a mid-table team. I'm not talking about the yeah. formats like relegation. Norwich wasn't even trying. <laughs> I think I think Everton might have been favored by two and a half against them at one point. Um, but yeah, this is this is definitely like uncharted territory. And I, I'm with you. I, I think we brought this up last year a little bit too, but like this feels like that year at the Patriots where they had Randy Moss with Tom Brady. Yep. And you're like, there is no spread high enough until they like don't hit it. And yeah. I'm the same way as you. Like I look at that minus two and a half and that's where I would park my money. And I'm also looking at the fact that, you know, there's a clean sheet line with a good team that can do a good thing. And even though Kyle Walker's out, throwing this out there, I still think the way that City is just, absolutely suffocating these games minus 135 seems like not great odds for a clean sheet win but i mean do you have any faith in southampton scoring at this point do you have any faith in city giving up any control of this match i don't well i mean so this is another like bet this not that moment right like we talk about how to make this game interesting and how to find value and you got to get creative and so yeah. I actually think the, the biggest key point you have in handicapping this match is do you believe Southampton will score or not? Because if you don't believe Southampton will score, then laying your minus 135 is wildly better than City's you know, minus 850 on the money line. Like, of course, right. you would rather bet that. If you do think Southampton can score, you probably still think City's going to win. 
And so there is a prop out there that says uh, Man City to win and both teams to score at plus 140. And the argument there is almost what we saw with United last week. Like they were up 4-0 and they just completely lost interest in the match and they allowed, you know, three second half goals because they were completely switched off and didn't really care. And so if you think that's possible, they're going to play with their food a little bit and the food might get a little bit of a revenge there, then you can get (laughs) plus 140 instead of laying the money line. So do you think Southampton will score or not? If you say no, take Brett's bet. If you think yes, then look at that Man City to win and both teams to score plus 140 and get way better odds than just playing City on the money line. Um, Another prop that I like quite a bit, though it's not my official pick, because again, like these city games are super fun to look at the, the props because you can find value there, even if there's not value in, in the spread or the money line. Uh, Phil Foden is at plus 150 for any time goal scorer, like scored a hat trick last time out and is somehow still getting plus numbers because he's living in a giant, a giant oak tree shadow, but he still should get more sunlight than this. Uh, he's still growing tall. He's still, you know, arguably the second best young attacker in the world. And Holland's driving, uh, drawing so much attention that he's finding more space than ever to operate. So getting him at plus odds to score against this terrible Southampton team is a bet I, I really, really like. Um, but ultimately, I'm just, as my official pick, I'm just not moving away from a proven winner. While his anytime score odds are now silly, there is still value to be found, to be found in Holland scoring in the first half. It's plus 200 this week. He's done it four out of the eight games already, meaning you're pretty much getting twice the payout that you should. And it's not like his goal scoring relies on like a tire, a defense tiring out in the second half. He overmatches, he overpowers, he outruns. He does it to everyone, whether it's minute one or minute 90. So being able to get him at plus 200 to get him in the softer first half market that people don't bet as much is great value in my estimation. Yeah, and I mean, again, anytime you have a player with with who takes the penalties as an anytime goal scorer, like penalties do not occur in one area of the match or another. And so, with the fact that I think penalties, I think I'm forgetting, but I think it's like 18 percent of the time there's a penalty called in a match, um, and that's probably a low end thing when you're talking about when a team like City plays Southampton with the amount of pressure they're going to put in the box in the final third. Like anytime that you can get a plus number for a penalty taker that's this pol- prolific. I I like it. I think it's a great it's a great way to hunt for value in these props. All right. Okay. Two matches left. Now I'll try to calm myself down. I probably won't be successful because I'm going to overhype Brighton yet again. Uh, Brighton fourth at 14 points versus Tottenham third at 17 points. Saturday at 12:30 p.m. Tottenham is plus 155. Brighton is plus 175. Draw is plus 240. Caesars also has Brighton at plus half a goal. At minus 180, the Spurs would stay at plus 155. Uh, All right, Brett. So last week we talked about Brighton, and you've already started to allude to them a little bit when we were discussing Liverpool earlier today. They're not, they, they, I think they proved in just one match something that I talked about last week that it wasn't just all Graham Potter. The 3 3 draw with Poole showed solid evidence that they are more than just a manager and a bag of tricks. I walked away impressed. Uh, with how they went toe-to-toe with the full-strength Liverpool squad. How do you feel about them? Elaborate a little bit more on your previous points. Well, I mean, Belgium's obviously going to win the World Cup. Trossard keeps doing this. so. And, I mean, we're going to have to keep adding people to our Mount. That's what I thought you were going to say for, for first, is that, like, Trossard is going to be added to our Mount Rushmore of players on the spot. Um, but, no, I, I, I agree. Honestly, you know, one of the things that I, I, we maybe glossed over too quickly when we were going over uh, Desarby's kind of 
uh, CV before this is like Cicillo was was good. They were a solidly mid-table club for very limited resources. And, you know, I, Graham Potter isn't Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he was a good manager that laid a really good foundation. But, yeah, I, I could very well have been um, way, way off the mark thinking that Brighton is going to take a tumble without him. Um, they just went toe-to-toe with still, I mean, we we just spent like 10 minutes kind of uh, picking apart Liverpool. But, like, Liverpool is still one of the best teams in the league. And they just went toe-to-toe at Anfield with them. This Brighton team might be for real. Um and I, you know, all they really need to is like one of their attackers, somebody like Trossard to step up and just really start putting the ball past keeper. And they are really going to be in business. That has been the one thing that has eluded Brighton um, this entire time. And their kind of rise up from the championship is they have just lacked a really dominant attacker. And if somebody can step up for them or they can manufacture those goals or it's something in Desarby's philosophy or scheme or the way that they do things in the final third can unlock something, this is going to be an extremely interesting soccer club. And they are going to maybe, maybe sneak into somebody's spot in, in Europe, European places. Well, we're um, going to know soon enough. Um, we're going to find out how high they belong just this month. Now, I don't know if you've looked ahead at their fixture list. We're going to be talking about them not. all month long. Brighton in the month of October have to play pool, which they've already done Spurs city and Chelsea all this month. Uh, so we are going to be discussing them quite a bit. Welcome I have a to feeling we're going to see Roberto. them. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to see them slide down a few spots as a result of that, you know, extraordinarily tough run of fixtures. Uh, but I'm not declaring it a foregone conclusion. I think they could be like West Ham last year where they were in the mix far later in the season than anyone thought. Yeah, uh, but the but the odds be, the odds makers are treating this one this particular game like a coin flip, and as a result, I've just got to back the more talented Spurs team to take care of business here. After Anthony Taylor created injustice last week, it's a classic case where Spurs could easily be minus one ten instead of plus one fifty five if this was matched with you know match week thirteen instead of match week nine. So I'm going to take advantage of the odds while I still can here and take them plus one fifty five to win. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I want, I don't know why I do this myself, but I watched some Spurs against um, Heinrich Frankfurt this in the Champions League this week. And can't, you should never let one match change too much of your opinion. But Frankfurt, they won Europa. That's great. They also finished in the bottom half of the Bundesliga last year. They lost their best player, who's now at Juventus. They're not good. And Spurs really struggled against him. And there has been something creeping in the back of my mind that Spurs are the least impressive good team that I've witnessed in probably the last five years. Wow. I think five good. years? Five I, years? Yeah, and that's including Arsenal finishing fifth last year, which we hemmed and hawed whether they were good for like a good solid eight months. Um, I, I There's something to me that just like doesn't click when I watch them that makes me be like, this team is solid and trustworthy and they're going to win. And because of that, I'm actually going to go to the over under and the under of two and a half is minus one ten. And Spurs have really like, we've talked about this high powered attack with like Kulishevsky and son and Kane. And they really have not had these moments where they have just stacked on the chances and just blown the doors off teams. And Brighton is a really, really good defensive team. And then Brian's big problem, as we just alluded to before this, is they have trouble scoring themselves. This feels like after a midweek match for Spurs, 
this feels like it is going to be a really ugly match. So the under to me looks really good. Again, coward's way out with now trying to mess the spread here or a money line pick. Um, but with that said, if you want to go all the way in, both teams to score no is plus 125. And I like that because I think 1-0, nil-nil, one way or the other, uh, with the 1-0, obviously not with a nil-nil, but with 1-0, one way or the other, and nil-nil, huge part of this game's range. Toby, tell me something different. Do you actually think I'm wrong here? No, uh, I like the latter bet more than the former. I mean, you can get plus 125 instead of minus 110, and the only scoreline you lose is 1-1, right? Because anything yeah. beyond that would hit the over, and anything yep. under that one team has to not score. And so I'd like this to choose the MIT odds a little is going to take you away from me. <laughs> I juice the odds a little bit and, and count on 1-1 not being the final, and also giving yourself um, some additional opportunity in case it is, you know, 3-0 or whatever it might be in case there is a lopsided route here that you don't uh, didn't expect. Um, but Brett, it's time. I showed remarkable restraint last week. Remarkable restraint. Patting myself on the back here. Had to put my best foot forward for our new partners. But I've got to be myself whether they like it or not. They just have to deal with me. So welcome, new fans, to my favorite bet. Yes! It is time for a corner bet, baby. Oh my and this God. one is a all banger. All that build up for a corner bet. I was like, oh, wait, maybe we're, he's taking this somewhere else. Suck you in, sucker. Spurs <laughs> over 4.5 corners, minus 145. Five oh out of seven God. Premier League games where they actually uh, finished with 11 players. They've hit this number. I expect a bit of an open game here, which is great for this bet. And when I pulled it up, I actually expected the line to be somewhere like five and a half or six and a half. So despite it being mine, one forty-five, I love the value. They will continue to generate play from width, which often leaves the balls being deflected over the line. I expect them to pressure the goalkeeper with some shots on frame, which always leaves the balls being tipped out. And uh, I think they're going to have one to two, maybe three killer counters. And anytime that it's ABH for the defenders anywhere, but here, get the ball the hell away. Always over the touchline, four and a half corners. Love it. One of my favorite bets of the week, if not my favorite. I really fell for that one. I feel ashamed <laughs> of myself. I don't know All why right, I well, thought. I don't know why I thought anything else was coming. I think it's because <laughs> it wasn't Arsenal. I didn't think it would be a corner bet, and I was genuinely curious to what you're going to come to. But all right, All live. Right. I want you to live. Be you. Be you. Well, let's take a real quick break for Brett to pull himself back together after an uh, embarrassing reveal, and we'll be right back with our final game. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
All right, we are back. And uh, I was just joking with Brett off the air that in, in trapping him like that, it reminded me of the Aaron Robin meme that was going around a couple of years ago where it was just pictures of him in various uh, places. And the joke was no matter where he is, he's always going to cut inside. <laughs> Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is just a ruse to trick you and fool you. But no matter what, he's going inside on his preferred foot and he's going to try to whip a ball into the inside post. That is me with corners bets, Brett. Never be surprised. And, you had, and you had me. I was I was trying to shadow you to the outside and you just cut right back in on that left foot. And let one go. <laughs> Silly me thinking that because Arsenal had passed, the corner bet was not going to come out of that. Well, he's one of the greatest wingers of all time, and he had one move. So I can only hope for my future in podcasting since I have limited, similar limitations. He's <laughs> an all inspiration right. to all of us with one move. <laughs> <laughs> last, uh, last match of the week, your beloved Everton, 11th at 10 points, team we haven't talked about for a little while, versus Manchester United, 6th at 12 points. Sunday at 2 p.m., a rare late game in the middle yeah, of football super uh, here in America. Manchester United over at Caesars is minus 102. Caesars has Everton at plus 265, and the draw also at plus 265. United minus half a goal. They have it minus 115, and Everton also minus 115. So an even bet for Everton to take a point home. All right, Brett. Uh, Everton have suddenly won two straight matches, 2-1 over Southampton, one over West Ham, and drew Liverpool the match day before that. So seven of the last nine with a couple of quality opponents mixed in there. They have not lost a game since August 13th. So, Brett, are they back to a solid mid-table club? I'll just put it this way. I'm going to answer your question here. Toby, I would I would rather watch the Jets and the Patriots with a third-string quarterback starting for both teams than watch Everton play. Yikes. <laughs> um, I, no, they are not. It, this is another classic case. It was, it was part of the reason why I was so bullish on City last week, just kind of smashing United is this is a clear case of a team that is just out over its skis right now. They're getting really, really fortunate results. Um, the Liverpool match in particular, uh, Liverpool generated 2.2 uh, expected goals worth of shots. Uh, Jordan Pickford basically had the game of his life and saved all two goals worth of those shots. Um, so I think it was 1.9 of the total uh, in terms of shots that were on the target. So it was just just in that match alone, you can see the luck necessary for them to get that type of result. And this is still a team that is one of the bottom five teams in the Premier League. United, I don't know. Um, we're recording this right after a very iffy Europa League game um, for United as well, in which they actually played some of their good players. Um, they had to. Yeah, no, I think they had to. And I think Casemiro, did he start or did he come on? But either way, life cup comes at you fast because he was lifting the Champions League trophy and now he's in the Europa League with United. Interesting personal or interesting career choice there for him. Um, but yeah, I, I really am not both of these teams. Well, they make me feel sad, but that's a different thing. Both <laughs> <laughs> of these teams inspire me with no confidence whatsoever. Like, I, I don't want to bet. Like, every time I was like, well, I mean, I guess there's some value here. I was like, do I really trust that team to do that? No. Um, so here's what I did. Common theme for today's episode. I went with the coward's way out. Oh. <laughs> I was like, if I don't trust either of these teams to do enough to win... There's a draw at plus 255 that I'm staring at right here. I think this match draw is probably one out of every two times, especially because Everton, and I know this is a, I, I t- 
typically hate it when announcers do this, but they have just seemingly seemed to have United's number with weird draws against in times when United has been clearly better than them. And I just don't trust either of these teams to do enough good things to win or cover a spread. I just couldn't get there. Well, I'm the sucker. I'll admit it. I know I'm getting suckered here. United clearly are better. But after they got trucked by City, I'm starting to revert back a little more to my previous thinking about, you know, the level I, I found them at. Their defense and midfield look absolutely awful. And I do not understand. You already mentioned his name. I do not understand why they spent so much money on Casemiro to have them watch them flail in the exact areas he was signed to help. Like, what was the point of that $70 million expenditure when you stink in those areas? You signed a guy to steal them up and you make them watch every match. This is crazy. Uh, add in the Ronaldo distraction factor and the Everton home crowd. And I'm willing to back Everton to get at least a point here at minus 115. Also, because I am not a coward. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to remember that when <laughs> you watch Anthony Gordon's sales shots over the goal six times this match. Yeah, then I watch United buy him for $70 million next year and make him watch Ronaldo sail things over the goal for, for six months. But it, I'll, I'll go that with a good prop here. I do not trust either of these teams to do something good. And something good would be keeping the ball out of the back of their own nets. Jordan Pickford is the most average keeper I've ever watched in my lifetime. And so him having another Liverpool-esque performance is definitely destined now that I'm picking this. But a tie with goals is plus 280. And I definitely, definitely feel like Everton can nick one at Goodison. And I definitely have no faith in Everton not stopping United to score, especially with the Connor Cody, James Tarkovsky center back pairing that they are trotting out now in a back four. Um, so I really like that one. If I'm going to go with the draw, because um, I am a coward, as we firmly established, I'm going to go all the way tie with goals plus 280. I think it's it's a huge part yeah. of the range of outcomes for this match. Well, I had two written down and one back to what you just said, not the tie part, but the both teams to score part. So I had both teams to score, yes, at minus 140. Um, United has only had less than one XG in one Premier League game this year, and that was 0.92. They are creating plenty of opportunities, and Pickford's unlikely to stand on his head again. So I think one will find the net. And from there... Believe it or not, uh, Brett, I am not super comfortable thinking Manchester United will have a clean sheet of their own. Uh, so <laughs> I think that minus 140 is, is great odds if you don't want to you know, bet the tie, but you think both teams will score. The other one I like is actually at the um, complete opposite end of the spectrum, but it's the one I like a little bit more. And both can be true at the same time. Uh, it's a draw after 30 minutes at minus 140. I don't know how much of these teams you're watching. But both of them start slow as hell over and over and over again. In 15 combined matches between Manchester United and Everton, there's a combined four goals in the first 30 minutes uh, between the two wow. teams. That and the only two, te- the only two players that have scored are Sancho and your boy Tony Gordon. So if either of them probably, sit... Probably off a deflection because that's pretty much all his Premier League goals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so even if them sit, I like it even more. So this is not the funnest one to root for. You're basically looking at nil-nil or, you know, or something crazy happens 1-1. But um, 30 minutes in, you're already cashing a ticket. And let's be honest, there's always profit in misery when it comes to the world of betting. So if it's not Absolutely. fun to root for, it's probably a good bet. Yeah, no, I mean, I that's a good stat. <laughs> Look at you, man, just throwing out XG numbers and researching trends like that. Man, are you sure you're not the expert? 
And you're not the one with spreadsheets all up on your walls. I don't know about this now. Uh, Might be like a sure. freaky Friday thing. Um, uh, no, I, I think that's 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 right. I, I especially under Ten Hag, there's been a lot of like directionless possession um, in some of these United matches, and so that would 100% play into a scoreless opening thing where they're just trying to get a foothold in the match. They're just going to circulate the ball around. You're not going to get very good chances. They're just going to play a very bland possession style. I really like that. You've had some bets where I've multiple times today I've wanted to lie and say, yeah, that's a great bet. I took the same thing. Well, you know, you're allowed to bet them. Even if you didn't come up with them, you know, that's allowed, right? That's basically the premise of our show. I want basically the, the premise of our show is we give out picks and we hope other people back us, but I'm glad you're finally on board after all this time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's amazing. But I was saying, I'm a narcissist and I just want the credit for the idea. I don't <laughs> want to win money. I just want that feel good. I'm like, yeah, that was me. That was me. Well, well, I don't know how you're still a narcissist after how many times you lost to me in the five pint, but let's get to I that know. last to it's wrap up the bad. show since we're coming up on an hour. Real uh, bad. I need to start out. Go fund me for rent. Oh. <laughs> uh, my my two long shots, which is very unlike me. They didn't hit last week, but damn, were they fun to follow? I felt alive, Brett. I know that's how you feel I felt every time you put the heavy score. Pick long shot odds. <laughs> Uh, I did hit the rest of my bets last week. I cleaned the rest of the board. So I go into the second week of October leading 6.7 to 5.6. But we were both profitable last week, thanks to Manchester City running away with things in Manchester against Manchester United. So way to go, buddy. Uh, my five picks this week to try to stay profitable. Got to do it. It's my good luck charm. Leading <laughs> off. Spurs over 4.5 corners at, one, at <laughs> minus 145. Come to daddy. Uh, Manchester United, Everton draw after 30 minutes. The one you were just so jealous of. It's also on my list at minus 140. Chelsea laying the goal and a half at plus 110 to keep the good times rolling. Uh, Arsenal to score in the first half, minus 110. Another one that you were jealous of. And then Haaland to score in the first half at plus 200. Real fun caveat, Brett. Real fun caveat. Taking my executive privilege here. If Haaland does not start, I have an alternative line for the five pint. It is the U.S. Women's National Team plus 135 in the friendly against England, 2 o'clock tomorrow. Let's go, USA, USA. That is actually the game I'm secretly most excited about this entire weekend. We didn't have time to talk about it. If Holland does not start, I want it in my five pint. I want USA to wipe the floor with those pretenders over, those European champions, but we're the world champions, for them to embarrass those girls. Come on. Come on, ladies. Represent us well. Woo! <laughs> You're getting your nationalism out early. I love it. All right. Um, I don't have any caveats because pretty much all my bets are good teams doing good things. Um, I'm going with the Chelsea clean sheet win, minus 105 for two pints. Need that one. That's like my, my Harry Kane stop the bleeding type of bet. Uh, City minus two and a half and minus 120 for two pints. And this is actually the one that strays from a little bit, uh, but I'll pick, take two even teams to play each other evenly, I guess is the way I'll phrase this. <laughs> um, and I'll do the Arsenal-Liverpool uh, draw plus 265 for a pint. Again, as much as I've hemmed and hawed, coward's way out, baby. Give me a win. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I'm sure that's going to show up in the title. Coward's way out is basically yeah. what we did this entire show. Yeah, Meatballs is going to be mad that he's going to actually spend time to bleep me. So I'm going to get this. is going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> Brett, the, Brett the Coward. 
<laughs> All right, Brett the Coward. I hope you'll come back next week and uh, and you'll be a lot happier with your picks. A little as a narcissist, get your self confidence up. Come on, have some have some faith that you can <laughs> handicap this the right way. Don't always go for these draws and all that sort of stuff. You can do it, pal. I believe in you. I love that. I love how you're talking the narcissist up with some positive self-talk. <laughs> That's exactly, I think, what you're supposed to do. I'm not a psych major, but it feels wrong. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoy the five matches that we covered this week and the five we didn't. And the U.S. Women's National Team game tomorrow is the ultimate appetizer. Uh, next week, we will be back with the usual mix of nonsense and playing our interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. See you next week, folks. Take care, y'all.